Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Warn Israel, when will the rapture take place? I want you, if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke, the 21st chapter. Welcome everybody that's watching online. Glad that you're taking your, your night to join us. 785 people watching, and we haven't begun the message yet. Please share this message. You can get help get people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or ruin someone's night. Either way, it's fun. Luke chapter 21. The Bible is separated from every other religious book because it has future predictions in it. Scholars, not just Bible scholars or Christian scholars, scholars have called the Bible history written before it takes place. When I grew up, like many of you, there was an extreme emphasis on Bible prophecy and the tribulation. I remember one time my grandmother took my sister and I to McDonald's after Sunday morning church. And uh, this will tell you how long ago this was, but I ordered a happy meal. I think my wife got a happy meal. Or sorry, my, my sister got a happy meal and my grandma ordered an ice cream cone, if I remember correctly. And it came on that digital screen, it popped up $6.66. And my grandmother grabbed her chest and turned around and said, quick, Jonathan, order something else. I think she thought Ronald McDonald was gonna turn into the Antichrist and pop out of the screen or something. But if you grew up in that era of Christianity, you remember that they had it ever from six years old, seven years old, eight years old, no matter whether you were in Sunday school as a child or an adult group, they had it ever before your mind that Jesus is going to return to the earth and that before that there's going to be a catching of way of the saints. Can you say amen? And I feel like that's been almost completely lost in the current generation. There's no talk about it. If there is talk about it, it's almost like a mocking, dismissive thing. Jesus could come today, he could come tomorrow, he could come a thousand years from now. The important thing is just to be ready. And you have Christian leaders and Christians themselves that are extremely ignorant of this message. And that's fine for them. And then all of a sudden, when something happens like happened this weekend, it's like the red flags go up and people wanna know what the Bible says. So tonight's gonna be a little bit of a different type of service. But I want to lay this down, both for all the people that are online that want to know about what does God say about Israel? What's next on God's prophetic timeline? Luke chapter 21, verse 23. Sorry, verse 20. Thank you, musicians. I'll, I'll have you play again at the end. Luke 21, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out. Those in the country should not return to the city. For those will be days of God's vengeance and the prophetic words of the scriptures will be fulfilled. 23, how terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. For there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people, meaning the Jewish people, which you're seeing right now. And you should know with... <laughs> The fact that there's anybody that's in support of Hamas during this time. Hamas is not a differing political uh, group. Hamas does not believe in the right of the Jewish people to exist. Their stated mission is to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth. So if you support that, me and you probably can't be friends. 
How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. There'll be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. I want to show you something here out of the Bible quickly, and that's that there are different time periods in the Bible. Job did not have the same relationship with God that we have. People don't understand that. You know, you start preaching about healing. People say, what about Job? Job could Job pray to the Father in the name of Jesus? No, he couldn't. It was a different time period. Then the Bible says when Jesus came, he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Then when the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone, that swung, there was a swinging of the pendulum to the Gentiles. A great hunger came into the non-Jewish world for the gospel. African kings inviting missionaries. Some of you are old enough to remember that period of Christianity where T.L. Osborne blazed through Africa and James Salter, Smith Wigglesworth's son-in-law, open invitation to preach the gospel and a hunger in Africa and a hunger in Europe and a hunger in South America and America and Texas. You study Texas history on the frontier that people enjoyed having preachers come and it actually started to empty out saloons. The Bible says then there'll come a time where that time of the Gentiles, which is what we've lived in, we're actually in a transition of it right now, where it's swinging back, where the focus will be Jerusalem. Can you say amen? So that's what we're in right now, where the times of the Gentiles are coming to an end. There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. So when you see ocean irregularities, they're not something worth to try to use more paper straws to fix. The Bible says they're a sign that this present age is coming to an end. You can raise taxes as high as you want. You can drive as many electric vehicles as you want to. The Bible says these signs are a sign that this present age and present earth is coming to an end. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the power in the heavens will be, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. I believe personally, that's the last thing that you haven't seen yet. And so our government announcing out of nowhere that there's going to be, there's space force and talking about aliens. For me, that's no surprise because the next sign is going to be signs in the heavens. Joel said the, the sun will turn black and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Notice the fig tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. Every one of Jesus' hearers, and probably most of the people sitting here, knew exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, notice the fig tree. When the fig tree buds again, what nation was he talking about? Israel. At the time Jesus was speaking, Israel was not a sovereign nation. Israel had been taken over by the Roman Empire. 
That's why when you read the Gospels, you start seeing the disciples' mothers basically saying, hey, all this healing of the sick is great, but when are you going to throw the Romans out of here and establish Israel as a kingdom again? And Jesus said, the time for that's not now. But when you do see the fig tree bud again, when you see Israel reborn as a nation, that sign starts a, a, a countdown. That's why you're never going to hear me say, Jesus could come back today or he could come back a thousand years from now. Because Jesus said, the group of people that are alive on earth that see Israel reborn as a nation, they will still be alive when all these things are fulfilled. So that started a countdown that though God, by his grace, wants people to hear the gospel and he's waiting so people have time to be saved, there is a limitation on how long he can wait. Because he only has, unless he's going to violate his own word, which he'll never do. He only has until the last person that was alive to see that happen is alive on planet earth. Well, May 14th, 1948, you're dealing with 75 and a half years ago. The youngest person's about to turn 76 that was alive when that happened. And I want to, I want to push that even further. When the Bible tells you that in, in the day when Christ returns, let's say it was May 14th, 1948, right now, and you read that prophecy, that in the day that Christ returns, as it was in the days of Lot, who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, places obsessed with homosexuality, that that's how it will be when the Son of Man returns. That would have sounded like the goofiest statement you could have made. That would have sounded like a goofy statement in 1988. If somebody was found out that they were homosexual, their political career was over. There was no acceptance of it anywhere. But when you see this happen, that now, 2023, why did all of this rapidly advance? It's in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Because you look at 1948, nothing the Bible said was possible. There was no way to buy or sell without a mark in your right hand or in your forehead. There was no way to have a one world government. There was no way to have a one world military. There was no way to have an, a one world leader who issued decrees that the Bible said the whole world will hear him when he gives the decree. That, that technology wasn't even available. But now we are living and it happens so slow that if you're not careful, you let you go to sleep. But I hope you'll wake up tonight and realize we are living in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy and we are the generation that will usher in the soon return of Christ. If you receive that today, go ahead and clap your hands if you're online and you receive that. Look up for your salvation is near. I want to pause there again. Everybody say that word salvation. The point of Bible prophecy is not to scare you, it's to prepare you for life now and life eternally. It's, you could be the best informed Bible scholar on Bible prophecy and split hell wide open. The goal is not just to know what it says, it's to make sure the call that, G, that Christ kept giving. I spent my whole Sunday morning on it accidentally because I noticed it popped up in my spirit. Luke chapter 21. So knowing all these things, make sure your hearts are not dulled by drunkenness and carousing and the cares of this world. Matthew 24, knowing these things are going to happen. Uh, uh, Jesus went into Matthew 25, talking about the ten bridesmaids. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five took extra oil, but five allowed their oil to go out, and they missed it when the bridegroom came back. Then Revelation 3, the last letter that Christ gave to the church. I would that you be hot 
or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. When you hear this, the goal is to make up your mind. I'm not going to get deluded by this world. Because the Bible says sin will be rampant and the love of many will grow cold. Some people aren't participating in the rampant sin. But it, it being around has caused people's spirits to become indifferent, lukewarm, and lazy. But 21 days of meetings will cure that. It'll put the fire of God back in your marriage, back in your children, back in, in everything you do. And most importantly, it'll put that fire back in you in Jesus' name. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you'll know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. Then here it is, 34. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. You don't have too many people come up to the pastor on Sunday morning and say, I can't come to church on Sunday because I hate God and I love Satan. You have people come up and say, I can't go to church on Sunday because I have to work. No, but I do have to work because we have a more. Don't allow your heart to be dulled by the cares of this life, the desire for nice things. And if you're not careful, that's what happens. And you, I hope I've role modeled for you that if you'll keep God first, God will give you nicer things than your boss would ever dream of giving you. Can you say amen? amen. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for the day will come upon this, the day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. Say that with me. Keep alert at all times. Before we started these churches, some of you know I like to vacation in Arizona, and uh, I could live anywhere I wanted because I was an evangelist. I didn't pastor. I'd have people ask me, why don't you move to Arizona? I don't think I could stay alert living there. I think I'd be on a pontoon boat on a lake, a deep shade of burgundy, just enjoying life. And I don't want to go into that mode. I'll do that during the millennium and in heaven. But the Bible says this is a time. You know, I marvel at the guys I've role modeled after, like Dr. Billy Graham and Dr. Lester Summerall and Jesse Duplantis that'll be here tomorrow night. Does Jesse Duplantis strike you as the type of man who mismanaged his money and so he needs meetings to help pay his mortgage? He doesn't have any bills other than the bills you can't avoid. And he's starting to find a way to avoid those, start his own power company and everything else. Amen. How come he's keeping such a rigorous preach? Now, it's one thing to keep a rigorous preaching schedule when you're fresh out of Bible school and you don't have any money. You need to preach to live. But to watch somebody in their mid-70s run the roads harder than I do when they will never have to step foot outside of their mansion again if they don't have to, that is an encouragement to me, and it's a throwback to how ministers used to be where they weren't just preaching here and there and retiring at 58 and passing it off. There should be an urgency in every Christian to not go to sleep, but to work while it's still called day. For night cometh when no man can work. Can you say amen? amen? You find in the Bible, when you go to sleep, that's when the devil moves in. 
The Bible says in Matthew 13 that while men slept, an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Spiritual slumber, laziness, sleepiness, going into like a half vacation mode. We, I take a long vacation every year, two weeks, and I get it all out of my system to make sure I'm not living some kind of vacation, real life amalgam. I go and rest, but when I'm done resting, I, I get to work. I'm preaching every day, at least once, uh, including Saturdays, till the end of the month. Then I'm going to hit it again in November, and I'll announce that not here, but we got something coming up. Why? Because I'm a preacher, and oil field people work, and military people work, and a minister is to, if there was ever a time, look at the hunger. You might have over a thousand people on right now that want to hear there is something in people's hearts. I know I'm living in a different era. What does the Bible tell me about it? And what does the Bible give me so that I can live in victory during this time and not in defeat? Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Luke 21, 36. Keep alert at all times and pray. Everybody say pray. pray. We start, if you don't know, this church is a fasting church. This church isn't a church that makes fun of fasting or asks you to fast TV. If fasting TV was a fast, everybody that lived before 1930 fasted their whole life. We fast and pray because fasting and prayer, among other things, is a guard against spiritual slumber. It keeps your spirit sharp. Can you say amen? amen? Keep alert and pray. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape. If you have a King James, counted worthy to escape. Say that word with me, escape. These coming whores and stand before the Son of Man. The Bible tells you that there's an escape from the judgment that's going to come on the world. I'm going to get to that. Every day, how many days? Jesus went to the temple to teach. And each evening he returned to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. I'm just reversing the time. The crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. Jesus taught every day. War in Israel, when will the rapture take place? When you see Israel surrounded by your enemies, the Bible says, take note. There's something brewing in the Middle East. You have people, we need to pray that there be peace there. You need to read the Bible and find out there is going to be peace, but the only one that's going to bring true peace, Elon Musk, who I love very much, he restored a free speech platform back to America. He wrote when this happened, what will it take? When will there be peace in this region? And I wrote back, when Christ returns and sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem. Now, I want every Christian, because pe people know, like, kind of know things, but they, they don't. Let's define some terms. Jesus came and died on the cross. He was buried in the ground. He rose from the dead on the third day and never died again. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 while he was blessing the disciples, he was taken up into heaven. And two white-robed men appeared and said, Ye men of Galilee, why do you stand here staring into the sky? For one day, just as you saw him go, he will return. You have people say, I've noticed ever since they legalized marijuana, I've been seeing goofier things said from the pulpit. And I'm starting to make a connection. Amen. I heard one guy say, well, maybe Christ has already returned in his church. 
No, the Bible teaches a physical bodily return. You know, Jesus isn't a ghost. Jesus has a glorified body. Yeah, he's got nail scars in his hand. He has a, a spear wound in his side. He's got a white robe. He has eyes that are like flames of fire, uh, feet that are bronze refined in the furnace, hair that's white like wool. A two-edged sword proceeds from his, mu his mouth, and his voice is like the sound of many waters. The Bible teaches one day, just as you bodily saw him go, he will return. Where is he going to return? Who said it? The Mount of Olives, which is where? Jerusalem. Christ is going to come back to Jerusalem. When his feet touch the Mount of Olives, the Bible says it's going to split the Mount of Olives in half, and he's going to set up a physical kingdom on this earth and will rule and reign forever. And he shall be king of kings, lord of lords, and his reign shall be forever. How many of you are looking forward to that day? And so that's, that's the second coming of Christ when he returns to the earth with his church. Preceding that, there's something known as the rapture, which I'm going to show you in the Bible. People say rapture is nowhere in the Bible. The word Bible is nowhere in the Bible. So if we're going with that, you're going to throw out a lot of things. But the word rapture actually is in the Bible. Unfortunately, many people don't know the Bible wasn't written in English. So I'm going to, I'm going to show you about this catching away because the Bible does not teach that the church is going to go through the tribulation. Jesus said, pray that ye be strong enough and counted worthy. What does that mean? Pray that ye be strong enough. That you don't, you know, many of what, much of what I'm going to tell you tonight, I understand is going to fly in the face of maybe everything you've heard in the last 15 years in church. Where for some reason, preachers feel it's their job to like relax people about salvation. How I mean, you know no matter what sins we commit, we all sin today, we'll all sin tomorrow, but the blood of Jesus covers all those sins. Let me define some terms for you. The blood of Jesus paid the price for all mankind's sins, but there's still only one kind of sin that you, that, that you get forgiven of, repented of sin. You can't just because Jesus died have a free pass to go out and do whatever you want. I mean, no, grace covers all our sin. All right, go stab somebody to death tonight and see how much grace covers your sin. They're going to fry you in the Huntsville prison with your grace. It's a lie from the devil. Let me ask you another question. If we're to be relaxed about our salvation, everything's fine, don't worry about it. Why did Paul spend so much time writing back to the letter to the Galatian, to Galatia was not a letter to the city of Galatia that was read aloud in the street. It was a letter to the church in Galatia. Let me tell you, as I've told you before, that nobody, speaking to Christians, that practices sexual immorality. Now, look at this. As they've relaxed people about sin, look how even in the pulpit, it's now becoming normal for a pastor to commit adultery with women in the church and just get up and say, many of you have heard what happened. I, I made a mistake. Don't, don't kill me for it. You also make mistakes. Holiness, the exact sign that Jesus said would come with this, that the love of many would grow cold, that there'd be an acceptance of perversion and sin, not outside in Dallas, in the churches happen. I'm going to tell you right now, this church is at war with every spirit of the devil that would lull people to sleep and wrap them in sin. The Bible still says in 2023, you must be holy even as I am holy, for without holiness no man shall see God. 
My father that's been preaching for 45 years has a saying, either you get rid of sin or sin gets rid of you. Sin destroys everything it touches. I'm still waiting to see the first preacher that engages in adultery and drinking and all that stuff that's become popular now where their ministry goes up. I finished preaching at a church. I didn't realize the pastor was into all that stuff. I was just preaching what I preach. We went out after and he ordered alcohol, which he's free to do. He's a grown man. I ordered orange juice. And he said, you know, it's amazing how when people drink, they become evangelists for alcohol. They won't just let you sit there and, and drink Coke or whatever. Oh, come on, order a drink. I said, no, I'm fine, thanks. Oh, so you don't believe in drinking? I pray one day you get a revelation on grace, brother. I said, let me ask you a question. If Smith Wigglesworth, Billy Graham, Lester Summerall, and John Osteen were all sitting at the table with us, whose side would they be on, mine or yours? Well, yours. That guy had a church. In fact, now think of this. The whole reason I was at that man's church was because he told me, we're getting ready to lose the mortgage on our building. We don't have any money. We don't have any people coming. And you have the nerve to not be able to connect the dots and see that as you've opened a door for sin, life didn't go up, life went down. The wages of sin is death, but holiness carries a reward. Blessed is the man who thou choosest, who standeth not in the path of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the the rivers of living water. In every season, he bears fruit. In every season, he bears fruit. In every season, he bears fruit. His leaves never wither, and whatsoever he doeth, he shall prosper. I want to urge every man and woman here, make up your mind. As the world gets more wicked, I'm going to live holy under the coming of the Lord. I don't care if everybody turns back. I'm not turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the brethren who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Christ returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those that have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. 5.1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them. As suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin 
and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Everybody say, I won't be surprised. I pray the Lord helps me to bring the consciousness of this back to people because I'm not that old. But I remember if we had an unusual sunset, my mother and me and my sister, my dad would usually be on the road preaching, would pause and look as the shaft of light came through a cloud. Say, I wonder if Jesus is coming back. I remember we came back from school. I was in eighth grade. My sister was in fifth grade. My mother thought she would be home in time for us to, when we came back from the bus, she was always home. We never were home by ourselves. My mom was the most overprotective mother you could possibly have. And when we came, she was not there. And my sister immediately threw herself on the linoleum floor and started to cry out, we missed the rapture. We missed the rapture. Because that was on the forefront that Jesus is coming soon. I'm not saying this after the fact, trying to sound like some holy guy. I remember when friends of mine would want to do something at school, in Christian school, that was wrong. The first thought I'd think, Hey, nobody's going to find out. I think, first of all, I'm already being watched by God. Second of all, since my dad's friends with God, he tattles on me sometimes. So yeah, for you, nobody's going to find out. My dad's spirit's hovering here somewhere watching me right now. I'm probably going to get paddled just for pausing and saying no. It gave you an awareness that there's a God that's watching and you have to keep your robes white. Always being prepared that if you went off the rails, decided to go do something the Bible calls sin, sure you can repent and be saved. But for those 25 minutes, two hours at a club, you're rolling the dice that Jesus isn't coming back. And if you miss it, maybe you have to even reset it past that. I want you to say something with me. Say, there really is a heaven. There really is a hell. And everyone will spend their eternity in one of those two places. You know, I'm not against TV preachers. I am a TV preacher. But you leave on Christian television, you don't even hear anything about hell, heaven, eternity. I thank God for prosperity. I've got it. I have healing. I lay hands on the sick, all that. It's all in the same redemptive work. But if you leave out heaven and eternity, and hell. You are missing something from the arsenal of Christianity that's foundational. I hear people give altar calls now. How many of you are tired of doing life alone? Just come to the altar and we'll pray. You don't have to do life alone. Just say this prayer with me. Jesus, I don't want to do life alone. What is that? Turn to Luke chapter 16. Jesus didn't die so you could have company. And think of this. What did warrant the Son of God leaving heaven to come to the earth? This is what warranted it. I was uh, one year out of Bible college playing Madden 2003 in wind pants and a t-shirt. And my grandma was the only other one home. And she got saved later in life. She didn't know that much Bible. She just loved Jesus, made her things right, and was ready for heaven. So the doorbell rings. She answers the door, and it's two Jehovah's Witnesses. I didn't know that. 
I just heard my grandma go, Jonathan, help. So I, I wandered, wandered over there, still holding my PlayStation controller. I didn't even know what was going on. I said, hey, what's going on? It's two ladies, one older lady, one younger lady. Oh, we're, we're from the Kingdom Hall locally here. Uh, and then they, they said their spiel. I said, uh, I said, I'm a Christian. Oh, we're Christians too. So I remember Smith Wigglesworth said, every cult denies eternal punishment in hell. So I said something about hell, and they said, oh, we don't believe in hell. I said, you don't. They both had Bibles. I didn't have a Bible. I had a PlayStation controller. And they said, uh, they were telling me the rules of Bible interpretation, that the Bible interprets itself. It, you actually don't need anybody to explain it to you. It's all very plain. I said, well, do me, will you do me a favor and read me a scripture? I said, turn to Luke 16, and I had him read this scripture. Luke 16, verse 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead or Sheol or Hades. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Now, at that point, the lady stopped reading. She said, well, I said, no, you said the Bible interprets itself. You don't have to explain anything. I said, just keep reading. So she reluctantly continued. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. The Bible says, the apostle Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we do work to persuade men. I can tell if a preacher has a revelation about hell. Because if they don't, there's a lightness in their preaching. If I had the media team pop up a 1955 clip or 1961 clip of Billy Graham, Billy Graham was not sharing principles to help improve your life. You can tell that he knew that people are on a running clock and when you die, either your name is written in the Lamb's book of life or it's not. If it's not, you go to a place called hell. They can light every candle in Rome. They can light every candle in the Greek Orthodox Church or the Polish Catholic Church. There is no scripture that says the prayers of the living can do anything about those that have died. When it comes to your eternity, God has voted for you. Satan has voted against you. And you have the space of your life to make up your mind that I'm going to go to heaven by receiving what Jesus Christ did for me. If a church doesn't understand that, which is why I'm laying this on day 10 of the church, day nine, whatever we're in, as part of the foundation, hell. When people die, they don't rest in peace. Quit writing that on your Facebook page. Billy Graham died, you had pastors write, rest in peace. Do you know? Rest in peace is an acronym they came up with to make everybody feel okay about everybody that dies. I grew up in this country. I still live here now. Yeah, everything works out. I just pray they made things right on their deathbed. No, that's not how it works. And that's a tough reality. 
And I've had people in my family die that I'm fairly sure never made things right, had a mocking attitude, don't want anything to do with church. There is an urgency that the church should have to win souls. I'll tell you right now, if when you die and you don't know the Lord, if you do what that Jehovah's Witness lady said and you go into a soul sleep and just rest in a coffin, I would be at home with my wife and daughter tonight. I don't care. That's fine with me. I can live with that. But there is a hell. And the Bible says, I actually corrected one of my friends. I don't like correcting people. I like playing video games. But, but he knows better. He's an evangelist. And he wrote one time, he wrote, the worst part about hell will be being separated from God for eternity. That's the, that's the kind of... That's the kind of stuff that sounds nice in the church sanctuary that makes everybody go like this. Mm. But it's not true. That man, did, you have a story here. Gee, by the way, who told this story? That's right. And it's not a parable because Jesus never used specific names in parables. This is a man that went to hell. And Jesus is telling you as the son of God what happens in hell. He didn't say, oh, how I long for the anointing. Oh, to hear amazing grace played on the organ one more time. No. They're in torment. He cried out, somebody dip your finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. I feel like I have so much of an easier job than my dad had preaching in the 80s and 90s because you'd have people ask stupid questions back then like, uh, how, if God loves people, why would he even make hell? First of all, hell was not made for people. Hell was made for Satan and the third of the angels that followed him out of heaven called demons. They're not for people. But man sinned. And God can't have fellowship with sin. So he sent Jesus, his own son, to shed all of his blood and pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. And what do you have to do? What do you have to do to receive it? You have to fly to Jerusalem. You have to climb Mount Moab and do 100 push-ups. Give your body to be burned. No. Believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. And somebody will let their whole life go by. Now, some countries they, people haven't heard. Some Americans haven't heard. But many people, they're not going to go to hell because God sent them there. They're going to go to hell because they're drowning. And a helicopter came and lowered a rope. And they knocked the rope away and cursed at the pilot because they don't like the color of the rope. To be saved, you have to humble yourself and re realize, I have sinned. The sin's on me. But thank God he did something about it. And I'm going to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Hell. Hell will make you a different preacher when you realize what it is. Not goofing around. I mean, no sin. Of, if, you, if you don't live for God, you'll never be quite as happy as you would be if you knew God. That's a, you hear that on Christian TV. That, that guy, something's wrong. There's a hell. Watch, go back on YouTube and watch Billy Graham's altar calls. He's calling. You know, we have an invitation. No, no, no. He's calling. This is your night. God may never call again. That's true. They weren't doing that to scare people to the altar. And he preached that simple message with other preachers making jokes. 
Doesn't he know there's other scriptures than John 3, 16? How can talks about salvation? But there he's packing Madison Square Garden for six weeks, moving to Yankee Stadium on the final night. 92,000 people in the stadium. The vice president shows up unannounced. Donald Trump's there with his father as a little boy. As New York paused to hear somebody from North Carolina tell them the message that though there's a hell, somebody died so you don't have to go to hell. And the time of that message going out is coming to an end right now. That's why, well, how, how? As the time of the Gentiles fades, is it gonna be a slow fade out? No. I believe there's gonna be an explosion by the Holy Ghost like we're having right now. We're at church in Pittsburgh, pop, thousand. Fort Worth, pop. It's gonna go up quick, and who knows what else God's gonna do. Because while we're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to get the gospel to the hurting and the dying and tell them, Jesus died, there's another way. You don't have to die in your sin. There's a lady here tonight. I won't point her out. You know how she got connected to our ministry? I was preaching near where she lived. She's in this church now, living with a woman. And her sister got a hold of her and said, listen, I know you don't want to argue about this, but please, there's an evangelist that's in your town. Please just go hear him once. It was me. I didn't know any of that had happened. I'm just doing my thing like I'm doing it tonight. And while I'm trying to give the altar call, a woman comes out with both hands lifted crying. I find out later from her sister, my sister that's living with a woman, she came and got saved that night. That was the beginning of a two-week revival. That woman was in every service. That woman tonight's married to a man living a great life. She's preaching the gospel because that's why we're in the ministry. It's not to sit at a desk and have a job. It's to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, get the message out. That's why if you ask what Sunday morning is Jonathan preaching, you can't be a part of this church. Come on. I like when Jonathan, this is not about what you like or what I like. This is about grabbing hold of a mission. This is not entertainment. Jehovah's Witness lady kept reading. Please dip your finger in some water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted and you're in anguish. And beside, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Everybody say, no crossing over. My aunt died and she appears to me sometimes. It ain't your aunt. It's a deceptive spirit. You go at some trailer with a, two letters of the open sign burnout to pay a psychic to contact your aunt. You need to snap out of it. Nobody from there crosses over. And you want to know if they did? You ever notice what all those spirits that are supposedly somebody's loved one? You ever notice they never say, hey, there's a meeting going on at 7200 Denton Highway, Watauga, Texas. Get your blessed assurance in that pew. And listen to that guy and do what he says, or you'll go to hell like I do. Oh, no. Feet. 
feed my cat. Your aunt's telling me that she's thankful that you feed her cat. Oh no, that's not what somebody said that went to hell. Then the rich man said, okay, if I can't get any relief, if I can't go to heaven, then please send somebody to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote anytime they want to. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if somebody rose from the dead. And somebody did rise from the dead. That's not a Bible story. That's historical fact. If you threw every Bible on planet Earth away, there's 10 times more secular history to authenticate the resurrection of Jesus Christ in his body from the tomb than there is the existence of Julius Caesar. People don't believe it not because there's no evidence. They don't believe it because they love their sin for their deeds are evil. But I'm telling you, do not gamble your eternal future against the Bible and against Christ. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. The message has to go out, but the time is coming to a close. Jesus is coming soon. And if you're going to be a part of Revival Today Church, an evangelistic church that gets the message out, let the devil hear that you're coming for him. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We're on the winning side. We're the resurrected church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen like thunder. That lady finished that passage, closed the Bible, and said, let's go to the young lady that's with her. And the young lady went, yeah, but what about what he said? And in my spirit, I knew at that point, because I was in a video game haze up until then, I knew exactly what the case was there. That older lady was an experienced Jehovah's Witness, and the young lady was paired with her. And it was recent. And I said to that young lady, I said, are you her dog that she calls you to come to the car? Oh, yeah. I know how to make a woman mad at another woman. <laughs> I said, she's already too far gone. I said, but not you. You just recently joined this thing. And deep down, you know it's not true. And that everything I told you is true. And she went like this. And the lady literally grabbed her by the arm and took her to the van. I got a call. I've been in trouble my whole life. I was 22 years old. I got a call from the regional head of the Jehovah's Witness that he'd like to sit down and talk to me. So I went. I didn't have anything going on except building a, a fake team on Madden career mode. I was only preaching like three times a month. So I went, I went there. They had, it was him, the regional head, the head of the, um, whatever they call it, Kingdom Hall. And then they had the lady sitting there. So this guy's going to set me straight in front of her. Let me tell you, didn't go the way he thought. I don't think he knew Christians could be that sarcastic. But I got a tenth fruit of the Spirit called sarcasm. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah, that guy was squirming. I remember the one thing he said. He said, one of the ways you can tell that our faith is the real faith is how God's blessed it. I said, oh, let me hear he said, we operate the largest Bible college on planet Earth. Over a million students 
in over 100,000 locations. I said, so less than 10 students per location? Great job. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know math. I know long division. And I know how people manipulate data to make themselves sound big when they're not, because I've dealt with Christian TV agents. Amen. <laughs> that lady chuckled. That guy was getting mad. But I wasn't getting mad. I'm sarcastic. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. I told that lady. I said, now, I said, they can bring all the people. I said, before I go, because they're getting ready to kick me out. I can always feel when I'm getting ready to get escorted out of a building. I said, before I get out of here, I said, they can sit down everybody they want next to you and talk to me. I said, but they might be able to speak to your head. But when I spoke, you know, deep down that I'm right. And I said, I'll be going now. But I said, do what you know you need to do. And don't let these people manipulate you. Cults manipulate. If you leave our faith, no one from your family can talk to you anymore. That's not Christianity. If you leave our faith, then you have to pay full price for tuition at our religious school. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how places that don't have the Holy Ghost have to draw people in. They have to threaten that you can't get buried next to your wife at the, seminary or at the cemetery of the church. They have to threaten something. But you know, in church, there's no threat here. You're free to come or free to go. We actually have someone called the Holy Spirit that draws people in. Some of you that are here tonight, you were wondering why you were even driving here. Some of you that are watching on YouTube, you've been meaning to turn me off for 20 minutes and you can't find the motivation to click the button. Because the Holy Ghost is drawing men and women in this last hour of time to get rid of sin. That though you may have started on the right, wrong track, you're going to finish on the straight and narrow path that leads to heaven in Jesus' name. Come on, if you know that's you, make a joyful noise. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So hell... 1 Thessalonians 5, concerning how all, when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there'll be no escape. People wake up when it's too late or like about to be too late. I'm not saying this to make myself better than you or anybody watching, but this stuff in Israel, yeah, I've been waiting for it. I've been invited to Israel five times this year by five different people. You could ask all five. I told them the same thing. Uh, I don't know if now is a great time to go. There's going to be a new king there one day. I'm planning on getting a house there when he's there. And I'd have them tell me. I'd have preachers tell me that invited me. What do you mean? Oh, come on. It's the safest place. The one preacher, you know, it's one thing if, if it's a regular person. If it's a, if it's a full gospel preacher that tells you Israel's the safest place on earth, I said, did you buy a Bible on discount that was missing multiple books? <laughs> because there's going to be, a, one day it'll be so peaceful in Jerusalem that the lion will lay down with the lamb and there'll be no more war and they'll beat their swords into plowshares and, and uh, pruning hooks. But that day's not now. There's a number of escalations that are going to take place in that, in that part of the world. And we're seeing the beginnings of it right now. Anybody? So I, I, I'm not going on vacation. That was not a vacation home. I told the one guy, because I go to Arizona. He said, why don't we go to Israel? I said, why don't we go to Arizona? 
Same climate, no Hamas. <laughs> that we know of with the open border, who knows? Oh yeah, I'm bringing that up because I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it's been as peaceful as it's been. How many of you followed me at any point during COVID? Did we ever shut our ministry down? Why not? Because I wasn't caught off guard scrambling for scriptures when they announced a lockdown. I knew from the time I was eight, nine, and 10, listening to my dad preach. I remember one day my dad preached on Bible prophecy and we were driving home and I was in seventh or eighth grade. We had studied the constitution and the bill of rights. And I said, dad, I don't doubt what you preach today about a one world leader and a one world government, but how could that ever happen without violating the constitution? My dad paused and then said, I don't know, son, this is in the 90s. Other than one day, there'll have to be an attack of some kind where they try to undo the Constitution to get the United States to lay down sovereignty. Well, I remember that. I remember that from that. Okay, one day a day's coming. You know, when I was preaching with Pastor Rodney at the stand during COVID, one of the preachers that came during that time, his name's Tony Suarez. I had never met him before. Pastor Rodney had invited all kinds of people to come preach and they wouldn't come. I'm not getting on a plane risking my life uh, uh, to go preach. Tony Suarez came. He was the first guy that accepted the invitation besides me to come in June 2020. And so I asked him, I said, other guys wouldn't come. How come you're still traveling and preaching? He said, my dad is from uh, Colombia. And he was a preacher in Colombia. And when the one regime took over, my dad faced major persecution. He said, when my father was an old man and we were living in America, he told me, son, the day will come where they'll try to take your Bible from you and close the churches down. When it comes, don't do it. Fight against it with every fiber of your being. And so you, own, you have two different groups of people. You have people that to them, this pulpit is for TED Talks and three keys to time management and the power of saying no. But you have Holy Ghost people that realize we are racing towards the end of time. And before that day comes, God has a mighty work that he wants to do through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is peaceful and secure. Then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there'll be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Say that out loud. I don't belong to darkness or night. So here it is again. Be on your guard. Come on, order a, order, order a beer. It's not going to kill you. No, I'm not living what's not going to kill me life. I'm on my guard. My dad told me when I was growing up in his house, great preacher, my father. He said, uh, every day when you lay your head down at night, ask yourself, have I drawn closer to God today or moved farther from him? Then he told me after I got out of Bible college, keep an eye on what you're preaching every night. Are you preaching Bible things? Are you drifting into nonsense? Keep a watch because the flesh warreth against the spirit. 
I mean, man, if once you pray the sinner's prayer, you're in heaven no matter what. There's, off, there's a whole lot of unnecessary Bible verses. Be on your guard. Stay alert. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose us to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his wrath against us. Say a couple things with me out loud. Say, pray that ye be counted worthy to escape the horrors that are to come. Then number two, the Bible says, for we have not been appointed unto God's wrath. Say out loud, I have not been appointed unto God's wrath. There's a Baptist lady that I follow on, um, quite a few of them that I follow, and Baptist guys too. They're great people. And uh, I know how Baptists think, and I know their theology. So this lady wrote something. She said, God is judging us. No, she wrote in all caps, we are being judged. Well, I know how Baptists talk. So I wrote back something to her that I knew would make her head spin a little bit. We are all being judged. I wrote, not me. I've been pardoned. That's basic Baptist doctrine. When Christ died, his wrath was headed to us, but Jesus pardoned us. So then she went on like a five subtweet. Cognitive dissonance. Well, I'm not saying, yeah, no, I understand, but uh, say this out loud. I'm not appointed under wrath. I'm appointed under God's mercy. You, if you miss everything I say tonight, don't miss this. It'll set you at ease. There will never be a time where God gets so fed up with what's going on in Dallas or Fort Worth or Texas or America that he goes, you know what? Just kill everybody. Yeah, but your children are there. I don't care. Kill them all. I've had enough. God didn't even do that in the Old Testament. He prepared an ark for Noah. Angels dragged Lot out of the city. And the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, so it'll be in the days when the Son of Man comes. I've not been appointed unto God's wrath. I'm appointed unto God's mercy. Yeah, but we live in a wicked world. Yes, we do. But the Bible says the Israelites lived in a wicked world. The Hebrew children. And God made a plan. Kill a lamb without breaking any of its bones. Then drain its blood into a basin. Take hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. And apply the blood to the doorposts of your home. And that night the angel of death will go door to door. But when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. The Hebrews lived in the same place the Egyptians lived, but because of the blood of that lamb, what was happening to others was not allowed to happen to them. Well, I got a question for you. If the blood that represented the blood of Jesus was able to ward off the actual death angel, how much more is the actual blood of Jesus that's been sprinkled over your life and over my life able to cause us, though we live in a wicked world, we're not of a wicked world. We have the blessing of Almighty. God. If you're thankful for that blessing, go ahead and celebrate it tonight. Let them hear you in Texas. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. So you're violating that scripture. Oh, God, I'm telling you, judgment's coming. Not to me, it's not. 
Speak for yourself. You can have mine too. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other. There's no encouragement if you're going through the tribulation. I'd have a ministry table set up in the lobby and sell Valium with our ministry logo on it. Free bags of weed. Because if you're going to be alive through that tribulation, there's, there's no comfort and encouragement. But if you be, can be counted worthy to escape, if two are asleep in one bed and one's taken and one's left, two are working in the field, one's taken and one's left, that's why all the songs in, in Pentecostal church were happy songs. Keeping my garments white, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Always talking about heaven. Now, let me tell you something. I told you last night that we're going to marry uh, the best of three different moves of God in this church. It's been working in Pittsburgh. It works here because there were good things that came in all those moves that need married together. But you have uh, people like me that believe in prosperity. A lot of those guys knock the old time Pentecostals. Always talking about heaven and mansions in heaven. But what about now? I agree. People should be taught that the blessings of God work now. But people also need to be taught that this earth's not my home. I don't care what happens here. I have a mansion in heaven. One day I'm going to live in a literal heaven with my literal family that's gone on before where we'll never part again in Jesus' name. Because all this now-focused preaching has caused people that their hearts get as troubled as people in the world. What do you think's going to happen with all this? I'm getting out of this thing alive if it kills me. Won't make any difference to me. We could be killed for our faith. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. But I'm not being killed. I said I'm not being killed. Oh, yeah. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Let me tell you another thing while, while my blood pressure's up. The devil doesn't get to pick when you die. No man's promised tomorrow because the rapture could happen at any time. But in lieu of the rapture, whatever devil's assigned to kill me with sickness or disease or murder, that devil's going to be frustrated for another 50 years because I'm going to live a long time and preach the gospel and build churches and win souls and lay my hands on the sick. I came to tell every man and every woman, God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are still to come. Yeah. Second Thessalonians. Sorry for reading so much Bible. I'll read less the rest of the week to make up for it. Second Thessalonians. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Anybody getting anything out of tonight? Yeah. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we'll be gathered together to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. Yeah, I wonder when that's coming. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. 
He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. The Antichrist will not just be a political leader. He'll, he'll bill himself as a religious figure and demand that people worship him. So when you had uh, the Arab Spring in 2014 and you had people say, is the, is the Antichrist going to be a Muslim? No. The Antichrist will exalt himself against uh, above every God there is and claim that he himself is God. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? Verse 6. And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. Everybody say lawlessness. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of lawlessness. How come you're allowed to steal whatever you want in San Francisco and Oakland? How come border laws aren't enforced? How come politicians don't care what the law says? And if somebody upholds the law, how come if somebody's on a subway, if a woman's getting beaten on a subway, how come everybody just stands there and doesn't do anything? Because you run more of a risk for helping to uphold the law than you do in breaking the law. The judges side, not in Texas, every state's gotten rid of the electric chair. You guys are putting in an express lane. <laughs> it's Saturday. What do you want to do? Want to get some Dr. Pepper and go watch that guy get electrocuted down in Huntsville? But in the rest of the country, they're punishing people for following the law. And then rewarding people for breaking the law. That too is a sign of the last days. That's why I don't, I don't really get along with conservatives, to be honest with you. Can, you. can you believe what they're doing? Yes. I was waiting for it. Can you believe what's happening in Israel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can. I saw it sketched out on a flannel graph when I was eight. Then this man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those that are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe all these lies then they'll be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters. We're always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy. I mean, now we're all sinners. No. Everybody say, I've been made holy. I... Pastor Eduardo Vargas, come up so everybody can see your handsome face. This is the finest pastor in Costa Rica who just flew in, I'm guessing, an hour ago. Great job. I'm proud of you. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe all these lies. He called you to salvation when he told you the gospel. Now you can share in the glory. Say this, holy. Say glory. The exact opposite of what they have you confess for in churches all over the country now. I mean, now we're all sinners. No, I've been made holy. And now, I, and Hebrews says it too. 
I'm a partaker. Not I will be a partaker. I am a partaker of the glory of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to learn some things from the Bible tonight. But before we leave, the glory of God is going to fill your temple. And you're going to leave out of here, not just with a knowledge of Bible prophecy. You're going to trample on the head of the devil like he was dust under your feet. Because Jesus isn't coming back for a weak, defeated, battered church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And I'm a part of that church. One more scripture, Matthew 13. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Thank you for watching online. This is live. I always have people write in the comments, is this live? The blinking red live sign is a dead giveaway. Matthew 13. Verse 24. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. Rom or Nick or Jake, whoever's doing media, can you grab that clip of my father preaching in New York during the COVID lockdown in 2020 illegally? Holy men don't take orders from unholy men. I just want to get things in people's spirits that will help make them an end time believer. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, everybody say as men slept. This enemy came and planted tares among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the tares also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted good seed is full of tares. Where did they come from? An enemy has done it, the farmers exclaimed. Should we pull out the tares? No. If you do, you'll damage the wheat. Somebody tell me, a, you don't have to give me your street address. Somebody tell me a town you live in. What'd you say? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. If God wanted to judge all the sinners in Tulsa, there's no way he'd be able to do it without hurting your family. If you're going to start raining fire down, you're going to get hurt. Your business is going to get hurt. So they said, hey, let's just judge. You hear people say this now. Why, does God, why doesn't God do something about that? He's going to. But if he did something about it now, it would hurt the wheat, me and you. God can't indiscriminately judge sin without it affecting people. Some of you, you'd lose every employee in your business. Go bankrupt. So he said, no, let both grow up together until the harvest. Then I'll tell the harvesters to sort out the tares tie them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. Skip down to 36. This part makes me laugh. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the tares and wheat. So when Jesus was teaching the crowds, the disciples were all going, mm, that's good. Amen. Then as soon as they got back to the hotel, they went, what the heck were you talking about with the tares and wheat? Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The tares are the people who belong to the devil. The enemy who planted the tares among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. 
Just as the tares are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they'll remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. One thing I said about an hour ago is my dad would have to explain to people why there has to be a hell, why there has to be a judgment. I think people get it now. You watch the Uvalde shooting when a nine-year-old girl goes down the hall to ring the fire alarm to alert people to save her classmates and somebody shoots her in the back. And then Tennessee, same thing. That evil has to be eradicated off the earth like a cancer, has to be burned out. Because it's not just the person that did it. How, who influenced them? What did they get around that turned them in? Who made the pornography that warped their mind? So there's only two ways. That sin is so foul that that's what it leads to. So there's only two treatments for it. One is the blood of Jesus. That if you allow it to be applied to your life, it doesn't just forgive you of your sin. It destroys sin out of you. But if people reject the blood, then the only remaining cure is fire. God will burn, God will destroy ungodliness from the earth. And that's what we're racing towards right now. I mean, you watch what Hamas did. To listen to any stupid American politician make it like it's two different armies that have differing views. Women and children are killed as a consequence of war. They're not targeted. They're not, they weren't killed because Hamas was targeting power plants and military bases and a couple of women and children happened to die that were close by. They weren't going after any strategic targets. The women were the targets. The pregnant women were the targets. The children were the targets. That demonic thing, God is going to deal with it very shortly. And if I were an American politician, I'd be careful who I stick up for. Because God will take you out with them. And I know, I'm a faith guy. I'm more faith than the faith guys. Not Brother Jesse. He's got me beat. Well, God doesn't take people out. Oh, yeah? Did you buy a Bible missing like 800 pages? God's not taking people out right now in this dispensation because Jesus satisfied the wrath. But there, that, that time is like clicking to an end right now. We're like in the last minute of the fourth quarter. And it's almost over. And when that grace time expires, it's a new ball game where God will not deal with man the same. That's why there's an urgency to, you know, I was driving in here today and I thought, I didn't know any of these things were going to happen. But boy, am I glad that God chose October 1st to start the church, instructed me to do 21 straight days of meetings, because I guarantee you, any preacher worth his salt wishes he was having a meeting tonight. There's something in him to preach, but he's got nowhere to preach it. But God knew this was going to happen. God knew there'd be thousands of people swimming around online looking for answers. And what the devil meant for bad, God's going to flip it on his head, and it's going to birth a great revival that's going to touch Fort Worth and the Metroplex. Number one, countdown to final judgment. Two things that trigger the countdown. The rebirth of the nation of Israel. This generation that sees the Israel reborn, May 14th, 1948, they'll still be alive when all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. Countdown number two. 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. 
2,000 years from Abraham to Christ. Now, why was there the big kerfuffle about Y2K? Because people thought it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was born. But the birth of Jesus is not what signaled a change. The resurrection of Christ and the birth of the church is what started the church age. And according to Peter in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church triggered the last days. Well, when's that? 2032 AD, 33 AD, 34 AD, 35 AD in there. 2033, 2034, 2035. You'll be coming to the end of that 2,000-year period. Isn't it interesting that the devil already has Agenda 2030 set up to put every implementation in place that all those impossible prophecies from Revelation will be there? Total control of the food supply. Total control of water. Total control of fishery. Total control of food. You'll own no land and be happy. That's all being set up right now because the devil knows Bible prophecy. So you're telling me, Jesus, the rapture is going to happen in 2033? I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's happening in 2033. I believe the rapture is happening so soon, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. (laughs) That's a joke. I don't buy bananas at all. I buy Doritos. What I'm saying is, you can clearly see that this time period's coming to an end. Somebody say final countdown. Now, I want to deal with the rapture. Say this out loud. Pray that ye be counted worthy to escape the things that are to come. Because people, you know, how many times did Paul have to write? Don't be troubled. Be encouraged by these words. I'm getting out of here. And I want to talk to you about the pre-tribulation rapture. Well, whether it's before, in the middle, or after, I'm just going to be ready. Yeah, it's not intelligent. Because if it's after, you better load up on on, uh, mind medication. It's going to be a rough time where men's hearts will fail them for the fear. I'm getting out of here. I've been promised an escape. These Christians that believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, they just want an escape. Mm -hmm. Sure do. Yeah, if a building's on fire and I find the fire escape, and you these people that are in this burning building just want to find the fire escape. Yes, I do. Yeah, but the Bible says we're to be willing to put up with persecution. The tribulation's not persecution. Persecution's now. Persecution was when my sister and brother-in-law kept their church open in Montreal during COVID, and when they went outside, the police handed everybody a $1,500 fine, not per family, per person. You, your wife, and two kids walked out owing six grand from church that day. That's persecution. Syrian Christians suffer persecution. But the difference is, after the rapture, you say, well, Jonathan, you're already seeing things that the Bible says are going to happen in the tribulation. No, you're not. You're seeing the beginning of birth pains. Do you want to know the difference? After the church leaves, everything you're seeing right now, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings its own death. If I stand in the ocean, God's not making me wet. The ocean is. And I'd be stupid to stand in the ocean and go, I don't know why God's allowing this. God's in heaven going, move. If I do heroin tonight, God doesn't, you know, if I, if I did heroin tonight, no deed, and they found me dead in the morning, 
There'd be people say, see, God judged him because he was preaching and then doing, no, the heroine judged me. Those who need any help from God. But after the rapture, it's not going to be sin that's bringing it only. The Bible says vials and bowls and seals are going to be opened where? Where? And poured out by God. And then that's when you're going to have large chunks of the earth's population taken out. It's going to be God. This is his time of grace. But then everybody, I don't need that. Everybody you invited to church, you should keep praying for them. But that attitude, I don't need that. I need some preacher tell me I do. Yeah, I believe there's some good in that. Okay. You believe there's some good in that. It's not going to save your soul. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could give him some pain. There might be some truth in there. But yeah, you know. Okay. You want to take that road, you're free to take it. But when you've knocked that lifeline away and cursed at the pilot for the last time, God's going to take the wheat out of the earth and then he's going to burn the field. It's not going to be sin doing it. It's not going to be climate change. It's going to be God directly judging those that love evil. I'm going to tell you, and this isn't to make people clap, though they'll probably clap anyway, because you feel the hunger in people for that. Why is somebody like Jeffrey Epstein allowed to do what he did? Why are all these people covering for him? They can cover it for now. But God's keeping records in heaven. He's giving people a time to repent. And then everybody that's running NBC News and CBS News and MSNBC and covering for these people and Fox News and winking at sin and paying off politicians, there is a day of reckoning coming. And what's going on in the Middle East is a wake-up call that one day every man is going to give an answer for what he's done. The rapture. The word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. Very good, because it wasn't written in English. But in the Greek, it's harpazo, which was then translated into Latin, rapeo, or raptus, which is then into English, rapture. The great catching away of the church. That's not invented in 1800 in New York. I read it to you out of the Bible. Remember, that we will all, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air. So shall we ever be. I want to say for all my young preacher friends that are 35 and 40 and 45 like I am, that think you, you know more now. Billy Graham believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. Lester Summerall believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. Oral Roberts believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. All these great men that shook the nation believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. R.W. Shambach on down the line. So forgive me if I side with Dr. Billy Graham over some, somebody with a v, plunging V-neck t-shirt and dog tag necklace. It's in the Bible. Geniuses like Billy Graham believed it. Defining terms. What's the difference between the rapture and the second coming? The rapture is Christ coming for the church. In the rapture, Christ never touches the earth. We're caught up to meet him in the air. Then while the world is gnawing on their tongues and dying down here, we will be having a seven-year party called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, eating food that nobody's ever eaten before, doing things nobody's ever done, listening to music that nobody's ever heard, learning dance moves that nobody's ever danced before. And then at the end of the seven-year party, Jesus is going to check his watch and go, all right, everybody get on your horse. And then the church comes back with Christ. 
And Christ will destroy the Antichrist, not in a five-round fight, by the breath of his mouth and the splendor of his coming. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. You know, I heard there's an old preacher. He's in heaven now. But I used to love what he said because it's true. And when he said it, it would make me smile because I could say the same thing. He said, in all my years in Pentecostal church, I've heard thousands of messages in tongues. He said, I've never heard one interpretation of tongues. Beware, the Antichrist is coming. He said, but I've heard hundreds of interpretation. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. I don't have to be worried about what the powers of this world are planning. I told you, that's why I can't get along with conservatives. Do you hear what they're planning? Do you hear what the World Economic Forum is planning? I don't care. They can't stop me. You can't curse who God has blessed. I'm hooked up with Jesus. My destiny is not being written by Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab. My destiny is in the pages of Scripture, and it's a glorious destiny. And I got news for you in Texas and all over the world. If you're interested, God has a glorious destiny with your name on it that you can tap into today. Come on, if you receive that, do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout. Hallelujah. Seven raptures in the Bible. Enoch, Genesis 5, 24. And Enoch was not, for God took him, took him off the earth in his body. Noah is a type of the rapture. Sealed in the ark, then the rain fell. Number three. Lot, angels pulled Lot out, then fire, uh, fire and brimstone came and destroyed the city. Number four, Elijah, 2 Kings 2.11. Elijah didn't go up in a chariot of fire. A chariot of fire went by him, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind and left in his body. Number five, Jesus, Acts 1.11. As he was saying these things, he ascended into heaven, and the disciples stared. Jesus left the earth in his body. Number six, Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 2-10. I was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, and saw things too wonderful to tell. Number seven, the two witnesses in Revelation. Revelation 11, 11 to 13, they'll be slaughtered. They'll be left in the street for three days. Then the Bible says they'll resurrect and go back up into heaven. There's no raptures in the Bible. No, there's seven. And that's not counting the rapture of the church, but I'm showing you the, the, the idea of people leaving the earth in their body is not foreign to Scripture. Number 10, sorry, number three, and I close with this. 10 proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture. This is not something the preacher, well, you know, some people believe. You need to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and I'm going to tell you the 10 reasons, and number one is the most important. Say this phrase with me. Say the dominion of the church. When Adam, help me out, uh, uh, Patrick. Help me out. Help me out, Pastor Paul. I'll be Jesus. Pastor Paul will be Satan. And Patrick will be uh, Adam. If this is dominion over the earth, God created Adam and gave him dominion. When Adam sinned, the Bible says in Romans 6.16, no, whoever you obey becomes your master. When Adam obeyed Satan, he transferred his dominion to Satan. Which is why in Luke chapter 4, I'm just using you because you're wearing burgundy. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness, Luke chapter 4, verse 5, 
Satan said, the wealth and kingdoms of this world are mine to give to whomever I choose, for they've been delivered unto me. That was a true statement at that time. That's why the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. But when Jesus died as the second Adam, went into the lowest parts of the earth, the Bible says he stripped the keys from the devil. So in those days, while his body was in the tomb, his spirit went to the lowest parts of the earth and he said, hey, Mr. Devil, remember those keys you took from Adam? I'm taking them back. And he rose with the keys and he said, behold, I am the living one who died, but look now, I'm alive and I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I have the key of David and I'm the heir to his throne. I open a door and no man can shut it and what I shut, no man can open. Thank you, guys. Now, Christ is the head, the church is the body. Somebody explain to me who has dominion over the earth during the tribulation? Satan. How would Satan have dominion over, over Christ? Because the church is not Christ's business or incorporation. What did Jesus say when he appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, not why do you persecute the church? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? Because Christ is the head. We are the, and he gave dominion to the church, which is his body. So as long as the church is here, the church is in charge. If the, do you know that God doesn't run on the devil's clock, the devil runs on God's clock. So when you see somebody like Adolf Hitler and a number of other people, Satan's always had to have an antichrist ready for whenever the rapture is going to happen. But you notice they can't ever carry out the work. Adolf Hitler got killed. He wanted to go worldwide. He wanted to be a one world religious leader. It all failed. It all backfired. Napoleon on down the line. Because as long as the church is here, there is a strength in the church that the antichrist spirit cannot face. The devil is not over our head. The devil is not eye to eye. The devil is under our feet. He was under our feet yesterday. He'll be under our feet today. And he'll still be under our feet tomorrow. Amen. Amen. You got my dad? Okay. When you, this is why I'm playing this because I got this from my dad. My dad preached this into me. I was on the road with him every week. Now, when you understand a pre-tribulation rapture, you understand dominion. When you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, you don't believe in dominion because you actually believe at some point there's going to be a seeding of dominion back from the church to the devil, but that ain't happening, brother. If the Antichrist appeared right now, one 86-year-old lady from Denton, Texas, that's full, full of the Holy Ghost, could get a plane ticket on Priceline.com, fly to Rome, and cast the devil out of him and keep preaching the gospel. Because greater is he that lives in than all those that are in the world. I want you to get a mentality about that. Yes, we do have a power together as believers, but the Holy Spirit that fills all of us as the church, he lives on the inside of you. There's a power that's on the inside of you that the devil can't do anything about. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The wickedness of this world will never be greater than the Christ that lives in you. I said the wickedness of this world will never 
never be greater than the Christ who lives in you. The wickedness of this world will never be greater than the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. Now, do you want to feel what that dominion feels like? My dad is the most diplomatic preacher there is. He's very different than me, better than me. He's preaching in New York, June 2020, illegal to have church, indoors or outdoors. He's preaching indoors, no masks. He went to just go do a normal message, but you can feel that dominion kick up in him. This is the dominion that the church can't lose. Did you hear what Justin Trudeau's doing? The church will be alive and well long after there's no Justin Trudeau. The church will be alive and well long after Klaus Schwab is dead and buried. You can't destroy the church because the church is the body of the living Christ. Take it away, Dad. But he will keep you safe. 62. God. 62 that years is old. the promise of God. I'm not afraid of anything in this world. I'm certainly not afraid of some damn flu. And I use that word biblically. I am not going to stop the work of the Lord for some bacteria or virus. I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm going to be courteous. I'm going to do my best to be gracious. But I am not going to stop building the church for some demonic virus or some demonic mandate. I am on a mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Too honest, Pastor. Jesus said, I'll build my church. That's my mandate. I'm not playing games. Many of you that know my ministry know that nobody's going to stop me. If it means I have to go to prison, I'll go to prison. If it means they put me on a firing squad, I'll be on a firing squad preaching to the last person loading their weapon. I am on a holy mission and holy men don't take orders from unholy men. So I shout dominion. Now, let me tell you, that thing that's in him, that's called the Holy Ghost. That's what needs to come back into the church. Quit ducking your head for devils. You're not given a, a, an order from God to bow to devils. You're given an order by God to cast out devils. And the devil casting out end time church is alive and well in Texas. I'm looking at the people right now that God's going to use to make the devil sorry he ever stepped foot in Texas. Ten proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture. Number one, the dominion of the church. Somebody explain to me, if we're going mid-trib or post-trib, how we lose dominion to the Antichrist. I want to hear. But if we're taken out of the earth, that's another story. You say, yeah, but people will be saved during the tribulation, but it's a different era. They're not given the Antichrist at that point because of the vacuum of the church being gone. The Antichrist will be given dominion over every tongue, tribe, nation, and race. That's why those Christians have to hide. But our Christians, the devil has to hide from us. The tribulation saints will have to look under their bed for the devil. The, not, the New Testament saints that are here tonight, the devil has to check under his bed for you before he goes to sleep at night. Can you say amen? How many of you feel the victory of God in this place? Hey! Hey! 
Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Number two, Revelation 1 to 3. The church is mentioned 19 times. Jesus writes to seven churches. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, after he writes to the last church, I heard a voice saying, come up hither like a trumpet blast. And I was caught up into the heavens. And the church is never mentioned again for the rest of the book. And then the bowls and vials and seals are poured out on earth. Number three, Noah. As it was in the days of Noah. Did Noah have to tread water for 40 days and 40 nights? Did Noah have to swim to the boat? No. Not one drop of rain was allowed to fall until Noah was sealed in the boat. Number four, Lot. As Lot delayed his, come, his leaving the city, angels came and hurried him out. And then fire and brimstone fell. He didn't dodge his way out, dodging fire and brimstone. Do you know they just found the archaeological ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah? And they said something hit those, those pots, like their pottery, with such intense heat that it crystallized it, a, a type of crystallization that wasn't invented for another thousand years. They don't know where that heat came from. And all the skeletons they found were protecting their heads from something coming from above. That's not Bible fiction, that's fact. As it was in the days of Lot, so it'll be in the days when the Son of Man comes. Number five, Revelation 3.10. Keep my word that you may be kept from this hour of great testing on the earth. And we've read other scriptures along those lines. Number six, Matthew 13. First remove the wheat, then burn the fields. Number seven, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 and 7. That antichrist spirit is in the world. But it can't do what it wants until he that restraineth it is removed. Who is the he that restraineth it? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number eight. I mean, look at it. There's no, the Bible says there's an Antichrist, capital A, but then it talks about Antichrist spirit, lowercase a, and many Antichrists. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't have to sell this hard in Texas. These COVID lockdowns, we're a push by that spirit to try to do what's going to happen, but ahead of time. No man can buy or sell unless they receive a mark in their hand or in their forehead. Whoever thought the day would come where Americans would agree that unless something's injected into you, you can't do business or go to work. Yeah. But it failed because the church is here. We restrained it. Who were they mad at on CNN? Those stupid Christians. I mean, I, I could pull the clips up where by name, these churches and Christians won't get vaccinated. They won't get on board. They won't get with it. Why is it there were people that didn't even graduate high school that go, something doesn't feel right about this. <laughs> they don't know anything about epidemiology. They don't know anything about viral load or case fatality rates. Uh, something in my gut's telling me no. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Number eight, there's no mention of the resurrection of the dead at the return of Christ. When Christ returns to the earth, there has to be a catching away. So what is it? Caught away and right back down? No, that's never mentioned. There's no mention in the Bible of the resurrection of the dead when Christ returns to the earth. Number nine, if we went through the tribulation, even part of it, there would be no comfort and encouragement for these words. It would be about like me telling you, hey, I just got tipped off. The Matamoros drug cartel is going to come to your house tonight and kill everybody in your family. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. <laughs> but you notice when you preach it, right? Like we're preaching it tonight. 
Notice how everyone's giggling. We're talking about hell, fire, brimstone, plagues, all kinds of persecution, mass slaughter, and you're giggling like we're at a comedy club in Austin. That's because when you preach it right, you know I'm not sticking around for the mess. I'm here to get people out in Jesus' mighty name. Number 10, doesn't say he's coming back for a beaten bride. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, received unto his own. Amen. I said amen. Oh yeah, he's not coming back for a bunch of people that with broken jaws, blood coming out their eyes, that were bare. I made it. Jesus, I'm in a bomb shelter. I only have three of Jim Baker's meals left. We love you, Brother Jim. I'll tell you, I've seen that food they serve for the Tribulation Survival Pack. If I had to eat that for seven years, I'd go find the Antichrist and go, hit me right here as hard as you can. Put my head in that bucket. If I have to eat that slop for one more day, I'm out of here. Oh, no, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground for a bomb shelter and some dehydrated milk and bottled water and to eat rice for seven years. I'm here to preach the gospel, to save the lost, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to deliver the captives. But one day, in the midst of that work, in the middle of the battlefield, there's going to be a trumpet that sounds like no other. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to receive my reward. I'm going to win my prize. I'm going to be found faithful. Stand on your feet, everybody. Malachi chapter 3. Before I pray for everybody, I want to read this. How many got something out of tonight? I do believe this provocation against Israel is going to cause things to start to get fast-tracked. I believe on the heels of this war, I believe Benjamin Netanyahu and the leaders of Israel are going to rebuild the temple quickly. I think it's going to put something in, in, the, in the nation of Israel that we don't care what the United Nations says anymore, and they're going to fulfill what's, what's in their prophetic role to do. The red heifers have already been bred for blood sacrifice. If there was ever a time to say, Lord, now here's what I would do if I were you, if I wasted my whole life up until right now. Who cares? A man had two sons, Jesus said. He told them both to do a work. One said, I'll do it, but later changed his mind and didn't do it. The other said, I won't do it, but later changed his mind and did the work. Which one pleased the father? The second one. It doesn't matter what you did up until now. It matters what you do from now till the trumpet. That's why the devil always drags up your past. Who do you think you are? That's him trying to disqualify you because of your past. They used to have a saying when I was growing up in church, if the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of what? But then you can also remind him about his past because he was pretty awful then too. He basically lost every, messed up every plan that he had. He's a professional loser. Amen. I want to let the devil bring up, I was an addict. I've been divorced two times. All that matters is what happens from here forward. Because there's going to be people that were on the straight and narrow path headed for heaven and they're dropping like flies. They're preachers that won't even go to church anymore, don't believe the Bible. In a bar somewhere in Dallas, drinking right now. I don't believe that. I used to believe that. Board voted me out. They're going to go to hell. Then there's other people that were in the bars, but you're not in a bar tonight. 
Well, you kind of are. We're drinking new wine. We got a drink the world doesn't know anything about. You're going to get all you want tonight. Can you say amen? And tomorrow you're going to get more with Dr. Jesse. We're sticking it in the devil's face for 21 days. While the world's crying, we're going to get full of joy and victory, and there's nothing the devil can do to stop it. Malachi chapter 3. And if you're a non-tither and you just started twitching, I'm reading the second half of the chapter so you can relax. Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of hosts. On the day when I act in judgment, they'll be my own special treasure, and I will spare them as a father spares an obedient and dutiful child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those that serve him and those that serve him not. There is going to be an acceleration of blessing for the righteous and an acceleration of judgments on the wicked. You know, when I was a kid, somebody would have a drug problem for 35 years. Now people have a drug problem for like six months, 18 months, they're dead. There's an acceleration of judgment for wickedness because time's short. Satan, the Bible says, knowing his time was short, declared war on the sons of men. And then there's an acceleration of blessing for those that are on the other path. I would make sure if I were you. I mean, look what we're doing right now. Look what we're having. Who has a church launch in a beautiful building like this? We should be in like some trash building on the wrong side of town, dodging gunfire on the way into church. (laughs) Jesus did this. Filling up, growing during the week. Amen. Because this is part. They got the meeting in Pittsburgh and the land being donated and buildings donated and tens of millions of dollars pouring in to a ministry that used to have about 400,000 a year come in. Now, what used to come in a year comes in a week. I'm the same me, cracking the same jokes, preaching the same thing. So I'm left to come to the conclusion that Jesus is coming soon and there's a, a rapidity that the Lord is putting on his people, that if you'll get in the flow with God, God will cause things to happen in your life that would have normally taken a full lifetime. will start happening in months because time is short. You know, I'm so excited for what we have happening right now because I know. How do you, have, how do you start a church in Pittsburgh and it go to a thousand in seven or eight months? Is that because I'm a super good pastor? No. It's, because, it's a sign to me that the Lord's saying, you don't have 40 years to build a church. So I'm going to help you with angels. How do we have a lady here tonight that was just saying to God, I don't want to keep drinking every day. And somehow women from this church bump into her and bring her here. And she told me last night's her last night. She's back tonight. Amen. And you got all kinds of people. If we were going to go and tell all the stories, there's all kinds of people that have a story of why you have 20 reasons why you should be dead or beaten down or somewhere else. But Jesus has you right where he wants you tonight. I want to call to every person that's here and every person that's watching online. I'd make up my mind tonight to do what Jesus said. What were the last words that Jesus spoke to the church? Revelation 3. I want to hear from you if you're watching online. I'm at J.D. Shuttlesworth on social media. Obviously, you're already watching me. 
on one of the pages. Connect with me. We're doing this because we love you. This isn't show business. This is the preaching of the gospel. This is real church work. You're getting in on the ground floor of a national revival that's in the midst of hitting America right now. Revelation 3, 15. I know all the things you do that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that's been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me. Everybody say purity. So you'll not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes. So you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. If I go to the stockyards in Fort Worth on Saturday night, everybody's got an open drink, dancing with their wife or somebody their wife doesn't know about. If I talk, the majority of those people are not going to have harsh things to say about the church or about God. They love God in Texas as they drink and commit adultery. That's what Jesus is. That's not a Texas thing. That's an everywhere thing. Oh yeah, I don't know, I think churches are good. You know, we could, we could use more churches, Reverend. I'm glad you're starting one. Are you coming? Well, indifferent, lukewarm, not against it, but not passionately for it. Jesus said that would be the affliction that takes the majority of people to hell. Every place he dealt with the last days. So be careful that your hearts are not dulled by carousing, loose living. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and share a meal with him as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. All who are victorious, say this out loud, heaven is the home of overcomers. Everybody's victory is different. But there's nobody that's standing here right now that doesn't have a challenge. That that's the thing the devil has tried to use to make you indifferent and damn your soul to hell. He doesn't have to get you to cut your wrists and sacrifice your blood and pledge allegiance to Satan to go to hell. All he has to get you to do is be lukewarm and indifferent. How many days are those meetings going? 21. Let's see if I can come on um, maybe one of the Mondays. There's no care, no passion. Something you're fighting in your body. Somebody the enemy planted as a tear in your family. Always mocking you. Always trying to get you to go back. I ain't got to go to church so much for. I got to give all your tithes. If you had all that tithe money back, you could have bought a car by now instead of taking the bus. Always some voice of discouragement. But to everybody who's victorious, you have to make up your mind on a night like tonight. 
Are you going to allow that thing to be the thing that you use as an excuse and ride it like a pony to hell? Even if they're real excuses. Wife died. Son died. Hardest thing you ever went through. If I were you, I'd make up my mind tonight. The devil might have had the first laugh, but he's not going to have the last laugh. I'm by the power of God. I'm going to stand back up on my feet, put the tape back on my gloves, put my mouthpiece back in. I'm going to win the prize. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to be who God called me to be. I'm going to make heaven my home, whether the devil likes it or not. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want you, we don't always do this, but on YouTube and the social media platforms, whoever's producing, if you can put our phone number there, Email. I want you, if you need to get saved, watching online right now, watching on the replay, I want you to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're here live, like that lady told that testimony, people have strange ways they end up in church. You're here tonight and you know this is the Lord pulling at your heart. Get rid of sin instead of sin getting rid of you. The thing the devil meant to have victory over you. Take the victory over it through Christ. Say, Jonathan, I'm weak. I can't do it. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your strength. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. I want to add one more thing in. You know one thing that's given me great motivation to serve God? is when you read what an arrogant prick the devil is. If you give me a chance, I'll get Job to curse you to your face. He thinks he can get anybody to deny God, throw him a little money, throw him a woman, throw him a relationship, throw him a car. I know people, I can get anybody to curse God. And the devil, when you think about it, this should give you motivation tonight. That he thought when that thing happened in your life, eh, I can just throw that at them. I've done that to a thousand people. They all quit. People are weak. But I want to be like Job. Somebody he didn't count on. Oh, you thought you could knock me down. But a righteous man, though he falls seven times, he gets back up. Job said, no, you take everything I have. Do everything you want. I will never let a wrong word about God come out of my mouth. I'm in covenant with you. Why don't you stick it to the devil tonight? It'd feel good to come to the altar as a giant middle finger to Satan. You threw the whole kitchen sink at me and you couldn't stop me from serving the Lord. I'm not like everybody else. I don't react like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. Maybe like that woman I brought up earlier. You've never publicly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or you once did, and something happened. Something went haywire, and it knocked you off the path of life. But you say, no, I'm not going to give the devil the satisfaction of seeing me in hell. I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to give him what he paid for. You know what he paid for? Me. Paid for you with his own blood. Young people, there's no sin worth going to hell over. Shake the depression off. Let Jesus knock it off of you. Don't let the devil take you in his direction. Make up your mind tonight. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
and I'll never turn back. Online, same thing. Do the instructions that are at the bottom of the screen. I will contact you, I promise you. But those that are here, if you say, Jonathan, that's me. For the rest of my life, I want October, what's today, the 9th? October 9th, 2023. That's the day that I settled my account with God. Now I can lay my head to my pillow at night and I know that I have peace with God, that my sins are all forgiven. If that's you and you need to do that, I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me. In Jesus' name, I see your hand. Who else? I see your hand, keep it up. This is your day. If there's anything you should do, I see your hand. Who else? No, I'm, getting, I'm getting totally clean with God. I'm getting totally clean with God. Everyone that lifted a hand, God bless you. I want you to come out of your seat and come to the altar right now. We're going to pray. In Jesus' name, that's right. May you feel the joy. This church celebrates this. Come. Every hand that was lifted. Every hand that was lifted. Every hand that was lifted, come. Who else before we pray? This is your night. Children, youth, if God's wrestling with your heart, come today. Amen. Amen. More. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Keep coming. Let's sing that through one more time as more people come. Every hand lifted, sing it. Sing it if you know it. Sing it as a song of consecration to the Lord. Anybody else before we pray? Those of you online, do what it says at the bottom of the screen. I want to hear from you all over the world. Say this prayer out loud with me. There's a real God that hears this. Awesome. Oh, great. We doubled. Let me try it again. Every hand lifted. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I turn my back on sin. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I'm ready to meet the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me pray for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. The arrows of the wicked will not harm you. The shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the devil. The last defeat that you saw will be the last defeat you ever see. In Jesus' name. No more ups and downs, just ups and ups. From glory to glory, from victory to victory, from strength to strength, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. 
Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.